we've seen live examples of how if you invest prudently in real estate, if you know what you're doing, if you learn the right way to invest, it doesn't matter what the market is doing because you're investing for the long term. Right, and that's why we're more buy and hold investors than we don't like short term uh, investing in flips and things like that. We're always about the buy and hold because that allows you to ride out market cycles. Hey there, we're here to put you on the path to a multi million dollar real estate portfolio. I'm Palak, and this is Nidhi. Thanks for joining us. Great to have you here. So today we're talking about how to deal with naysayers. And there's always going to be people around us who are not going to like whatever we are deciding to do. As long as you're following the traditional path, you're following all the rules, nobody's going to question anything. As soon as you start thinking for yourself, you're going to run into people who are naysayers, who are going to question everything you're doing, who are going to be critical about it. And today we're talking about how to deal with them. And we're going to get into the tactics and the mindset behind it. So... Let's get started. Uh, I'm going to start with a story. The, how this topic came up is uh, we have uh, one of our investors in the program. She, she's amazing. She, you know, following um, the process, she called up, you know, went, went over the hurdles that she had, called up realtors, made a connection with a great agent, met up with them. And the agent said, why are you investing in this neighborhood? This is not a good neighborhood for you. And as soon as she shared that with us, it brought back so many memories of <laughs> when we were first getting started. So, okay, so the BOR strategy, right? The scale framework that we implement, you are going to add value to a property. If the property is already amazing, there is no value to add. So inherently this strategy requires you to pick up a property that does not look good, that needs work. And so whenever I found myself going to look at distressed properties in the beginning, I had to be very careful about who I was taking advice from. Because I've had multiple agents say things like, what are you doing in this neighborhood? This isn't the right neighborhood for you because distressed properties inherently are in neighborhoods where there's a lot of blight. And when there's a lot of blight, there is some um, level of discomfort from agents who are used to only showing properties in the e-neighborhood. So I ran into this all the time where agents will say, what are you doing in this neighborhood? This neighborhood? And I realized that it's not that the strategy was wrong or I was doing something wrong. It's that I was talking to the wrong person. Yeah. And the funny thing is, if you asked people, the naysayers, yes. right, if you asked them, oh, so how many properties do you own? <laughs> and obviously the answer is going to be zero, right? right. Or, uh, you know, or, maybe it's or one yeah. or, you know, and uh, and th- that's why it's so dangerous to take advice from people who have never done something before, right? Uh, if Because their natural instinct is going to be, Oh, you know what? My aunt had a rental and she had, oh my God, like, you know, there's all these issues and, you know, she got all these calls and And it was a problem tenant. And, but that was one instance. Right. Right. And so people always like to believe uh, bad news. Yeah. uh, Especially if they haven't done something before. And funnily enough, people who don't have a lot of experience who are, sorry, but a bit, 
ignorant about this specific strategy. They may be smart in many other ways. Ignorant about this specific strategy or growing wealth with real estate, building a large portfolio. I find that they seem to be very sure. And people who are really successful are actually more open to other ideas. So if you find an investor who is extremely successful and you tell them that you're doing something different than what they're doing, they may be more open to it. They're like, you know what? Yeah, I've seen other people succeed at that and do it this way. And I know such and such person who has a large portfolio with that strategy. But if you ask someone who's never built wealth, never built a large portfolio of real estate, they seem very sure about what they believe in. Yes. So think about that for a second, right? When you have an open mind, you grow much further. And then you, you see that you see that reflected in successful people. You know, and this is one example of, of naysayers. Another example is there's all these uh, there's all these negative news, right. right? Like about what's happening in the economy and all that. And sure, like I think we're already in a recession if we, you know, yeah. if not, uh, uh, you know, if we've probably been in it for the last year. Uh, and you know, there's definitely a lot of negative news about this, right? And so, unfortunately, what happens is that all the negative news goes to the top yeah. and gets the most eyeballs and yeah. views. Yeah. And so, most sources, news sources that I listen to, all they're talking about is how everything's going to crash, this is the end of the world, and um, and and all that, right? And that can be very discouraging as a new investor. You're like, wait, do I? Is this not the right time to invest? And I can tell you, we've talked about this before, and we were, ironically, this is the same question that we were asking ourselves as new investors back when we started investing in 2014, 2015, because they're like, oh, it's, we've had a few, everybody at that time was telling us, this is not a good time to invest. Like, you know, this is the market's oh, going to crash. You should have bought properties when the market crashed. Why are you buying properties now? Well, Nobody can go back in time and do that, right? right? You can only take action now. Right, and what we'd realized after the 2008 crash was we actually bought a property in 2007 before the crash and the value went down by I think 30-35% after the crash and we held on to that property for 10 years and we sold it and made a 100k profit despite the crash right That's this is despite anything. the worst crash in history and so we've seen live examples of how if you invest prudently in real estate if you know what you're doing if you learn the right way to invest it doesn't matter what the market is doing because you're investing for the long term, mm-hmm. right? And that's why we're more buy and hold investors than we don't like short term uh, investing in flips and things like that. We're always about the buy and hold because that allows you to ride out market cycles. So where I was going with that was that, you know, there's all this negative news in social media, but really what has helped us build wealth is books and resources that teach you how to build wealth. Like I think the big one when we first started was Rich Dad Poor Dad that really motivated us. And, and uh, you know, there's so many other books like that out, out there think about and, the business. Think and Grow Rich. Think and Grow Rich. Good one. And these are all timeless books and they'll never tell you to time the market. And right. they'll never teach you when is the right time to invest because they don't right. know such thing. You're always building your skills and you're always investing. You just need to adjust to what the market is doing as an investor, but right. you're always investing. If I had heard all these naysayers and all the you know negative stuff that all the sources that only talk about the negative stuff, I would not have grown our portfolio. We would not have grown our portfolio. Uh, The way you can truly build wealth is by taking timeless advice from um, you know resources that not just show you a problem but also show you how to overcome that. Somebody who's playing in that arena, yes. Somebody who's in the trenches, like don't take advice from people who are not doing what you want to do. That makes no sense. Yeah. People who used to tell us this is not the time to invest. 
you should invest in when the market crashed because this property was 35% less, 50% less than what you're buying for it right now, buying it for right now. Those people have still not invested. Yes. Meanwhile, we're continuing to build our portfolio with hundreds of people do that in the meantime. So by the way, speaking of books, if you guys haven't already, please go and check out our book. We poured a lot of value in it. Um, it's called Accelerate Your Real Estate. It's on Amazon. And there are some amazing reviews. Check it out. If you've read it already, please leave us a review. We would love to know what was most helpful. It really gets us excited. All right. So second piece is the reason I think we really take it to heart when naysayers derail us is because we have doubts ourselves. Yes. Right? Yes. If I'm trying to do something big, I'm already uncomfortable. I'm already scared. Now somebody comes along and they're like, what are you talking about? Why would you do that? Such and such, you know, and you're like, oh, maybe my, all my fears are accurate. Yeah. And you, you were, before we started recording, you were telling me the story of how um, when you were growing up, there were naysayers stopping you from starting a business. Yeah, absolutely. When I was growing up and even after uh, you know, I, I had a good job, I wanted to invest in real estate and everybody around me was like, no, don't do that. You don't know what you're doing. Uh, you'll make a mistake and you know, you lose money. And when we, even when we started doing real estate full time and Palak quit her job and then I quit my job, people were like, why were you doing this? That's too big of a risk. Don't do this. Mm -hmm. uh, it's because if I took advice from 90% of the people in this world, I would be where 90% of the people are in this world, right? Because majority of the people in this world are risk averse. Mm -hmm. They don't want to take risk. And I think as a result, a lot of, a lot of us stay where they are, right? Like a lot of people stay where they are and, and they're limited in their growth potential because they don't want to go outside their comfort zone and do things that, that, that are new or that have some sort of risk associated with it. Uh, so what we really learned was how to take calculated risks, okay. right? And there's absolutely a way to do that. There's ways that you can invest. You just need to educate yourself. You need to acquire the skills. And the risk level is not determined by as much the opportunity. Sure, the opportunity may be risky, but the opportunity carries a lot more risk if you have zero skills. But the opportunity is a lot less risky uh, if you are if you are really know what you're doing, if you understand the numbers and as an investor, if you have an exit strategy, if you have good process, if you run it like a business. Right. And if you if you are getting bothered by naysayers, if something bothers you when someone stops you, if something triggers you, if you heard one of our previous episodes, I was getting really triggered because we were talking about corporate. <laughs> You know when I'm triggered, when my voice becomes very shrill, like as if I've had like five cups of coffee, I'm like getting really excited about it. If something triggers you, sit with it and get curious. Instead of letting moving past that or changing course, get curious about why that makes you uncomfortable. Why is that particular person being a naysayer making you uncomfortable? Because oftentimes it's something that we need to work on within ourselves. And we cannot know that unless we spend time letting that just come up. And a lot of us don't do that because it's much easier to just move on with life than to actually deal with whatever's making us uncomfortable. So if somebody telling you that you're not on the right path is making you uncomfortable, it's making you question your path, sit with it and figure out 
why that is happening. And we were just talking about that the other day that a lot of folks, well-meaning parents, raise kids to be risk averse. Don't climb that tree, you're going to fall. Get off of that chair, you're going to get hurt. Don't touch that knife, you know, whatever that is. Well-intentioned parents uh, turn us by trying to stop us from getting hurt or going down a path that is inconvenient or uncomfortable for them because they don't know how to protect us on those paths make us risk averse. So some of this, when a naysayer comes into your world and starts derailing you, and that's not necessarily always a friend or a relative or family member, it could also be a, re a realtor, a mortgage broker. It's somebody even within this industry because they're not familiar with it or they have a different thing in mind. It's oftentimes bothering us because it's something that we need to work on. And so think about why something that you were so sure about just because some, someone came around and said something negative about it. Why are you questioning your own past? What is it that you need to work on? Yeah. And how do you build that belief in yourself, right? Investing or building a business is hard enough in itself. Mm -hmm. But if you also then add your self-doubt on top of it, it yeah. becomes even harder. So, you know, what has worked for, for me, for instance, in overcoming self-doubt and believing more in myself is one is, of course, like, you know, learning and, and becoming, uh, gathering the skills and educating myself on the process and what it takes, but also telling myself every day. And we do affirmations in the morning every day and we do it with our kids as well. And we're driving them to school or we're dropping them off to camp every morning. All four of us have to. Uh, do our affirmations. And it's so much fun. We we say, look, um, I'm going to have a great day today. I'm going to learn something new and I'm going to, um, you know, do the things that I set out to do for myself. And even if I fail at something, even if there's something wrong, that's fine. I'll take it in my stride. I will learn from it. And uh, I'm going to um, achieve what I want to achieve in the next few years. And we do this every other week and our kids do the same exercise. Yeah. And they, you know, their affirmations are like, I'm going to make new friends today and yes. I'm going to fail at something. And we try to inculcate this in them as well. Like it's it's good to fail because we're always taught it's not, it's, oh, if you fail at something, that's not good. No, that's the best way to learn. Yeah. And you are going to fail as an, as an investor. And it's, and it's good to know that going in because the first failure you, you hit or the first roadblock you hit, you don't give up because it's all about pushing through that, right? right? And so developing that self-confidence and that self-belief takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of telling yourself. And, you know, sometimes that is faking it till you're making it. You got to tell yourself you can do it yeah. and you will do it. And I love setting uh, timers on uh, my phone. That's a hack. If you want to implement it, basically what I do is you set an alarm for uh, X, time on a daily basis and the alarm it's an alarm but the iphone and i'm sure android has the same thing you're able to give it a name and i always put down um whatever i want to constantly be reminded about so send yourself an alarm if that helps you uh, so what we do is every morning we do affirmations every other week we sit down and we do a deep dive into them to really get a get a good sense of where we want to be and Build a moat around yourself. If you want to not be so concerned with na the naysayers, you need a tribe that's going to back you up. And the moat is what's going to allow you to stop those 
uh, enemies from attacking, right? The negative thoughts from attacking. You want to build that tribe around you who's going to back you up when you feel uncertain. Yeah, if you're the only person going through this and investing can be, uh, you know, a process where you can feel a bit lonely, right? right. And building a business is is that way too. But if you're surrounded by the people who are doing the same things and have similar goals in life, it's so much easier to get, get encouragement from other people, learn from other people and see where other people are going and know that you're not alone. Right. And if you don't have a tribe, there are some amazing books, podcasts. Expose yourself with content that builds you up, not pulls you down. Absolutely. Um, all right. And the last one is numbers don't lie. Real estate is a numbers game. When you find yourself questioning the direction you're going in, just focus on the facts and the numbers. And if you don't know how to focus on the numbers, learn that. That is where you want to invest your time and energy. Yes. And I can talk about this forever, but <laughs> you know, there's this, this question comes up all the time, which is, oh, we are, we are in such a high interest rate environment. How do you invest? You know, how, what, what do you need to be doing? And you know, is it is it even the right time to invest with the high interest rates? Well, you you need to know how to analyze a deal, uh-huh. right? And when you're analyzing the deal, you factor in the high interest rate right. in that calculation. And if the numbers still work, they work. And if that deal doesn't work with the high interest rate, move on to the next deal. Right. So it's all real estate is a numbers game. If you learn how to do it, you can invest in any environment with whether it's low interest rates, but high rehab costs, like we had a, a few years, a couple of years back, or now where the interest rates are really high, but you're still getting good ARVs and the rents are still pretty high. And all of that can be factored in into deal analysis. So really learning how to do that. One of the things that that I heard Barbara Corcoran say, and she's you know, the shark from Shark Tank, and she's a billionaire real estate investor herself. She said something that was really interesting. You know how people are saying, people always say, oh, real estate is all about, uh, you know, the number that you buy at. It's uh, it's all about, uh, did you buy it low enough, Mm -hmm. right? You make money on the buy. You You make money in the buy. Thank you. That's what they say, you make money in the buy. Yeah. And Barbara said something really interesting. She's like, I built my wealth by finding the properties and paying a little bit more for them. And she's like, I wouldn't mind paying five or 10K more because I knew it was a good property. And I'm like, that is incredible. That's amazing. Because the thing is that when you're investing for the long term, and we've done this calculation so many times on every single family home that we buy and that we you know, rehab and we refinance and we rent it out, is that in the next 10 years, conservatively, a single family home is going to make us about 100K through cash flow, through appreciation, through debt pay down. Um, and, you know, the taxes that will we'll save on, right? And and that doesn't even include the force appreciation. And does it, uh, that doesn't include the force appreciation, exactly. And so if, when I think about that, but if I pay 10K more for the property, I'm still going to make 100K Absolutely. in the next 10 years. If I give 15K more for property, I'm still making 100K in the next 10 years. So that's just to put in perspective how powerful buy and hold investing is and if you know how to do your numbers, if the property that you buy cash flows, that's how you you build and scale. Right. And the deal analysis numbers will tell you that. Right. You don't need to listen to naysayers to I tell see. you the deal is going to work. Or I love that. And when people say that you make your money on the buy, they're looking at short term. 
because that few thousand dollars that you're going to save by getting the property for the right price, that's only applicable if you're not holding it for 10 years, right? And it's only applicable for the next few years. And like you said, we're going to make 100K 10 years. Who cares if you pay a few more? Absolutely. The and the by the way, and just to clarify, I'm not saying you should pay more for your properties. Yes. In fact, the reason we do the BRRRR strategy is because it allows us to buy per properties at 40, 50 cents in the dollar. Right. <laughs> but yes. if you know your numbers, if you know what you're doing, uh, that's how you overcome. You just drown out all the noise, focus on the right. numbers. Correct. The only reason we're saying that you make money on the buy doesn't apply because we understand how the numbers work long-term. So don't lose sight of the numbers and the numbers don't lie. So to summarize, three ways to deal with naysayers. Number one, be careful about who you're taking advice from. Who's that naysayer? Second, believe in yourself and your own path and stay in your lane. And if you're not, work on why that's bothering you and work on building up the self-confidence. And number three, focus on the numbers. The numbers don't lie. All right, so hope you enjoyed that. Please leave us a review wherever you're watching this, listening to this, and tell us your biggest takeaway. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much. Bye now. Don't forget, when you're ready to get serious, you can join us at theinvestoraccelerator.com. It's like getting a thousand episodes worth of information in five days, and it's everything you need to build your actionable plan to financial freedom and making work optional.